Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today we're covering 1 Samuel 30 to 31, Psalms 135, and 1 Corinthians 3. What's going on in 1 Corinthians 3? You know, it's so funny because um, in chapter 2, it was just like, as you, if you listened to the yesterday's episode, you know how it just was, it was rocking. Let's just say that. Um, but chapter three, all of a sudden it feel, I feel like Paul changed his tone just a little bit. He was going off kind of like I do go on, going off on a tangent, going down a rabbit hole, but then he catches himself and he comes back and he goes, okay, okay, okay. Wait a second. What was, what did I need to say to you guys? And that's when he wanted to talk to them about not having strife amongst each other. Not um, The church was just beginning. And the church meaning not the building, but the body of people, the group of people. Anytime you organize groups of people, you have different people with different opinions and different understandings, different maturity. And that's exactly where these leaders of this church in Corinth, um, that's where they were. And they were arguing who they followed, were the followers of Paul, were the followers of Apollos. Um, and and Paul just wanted to make it clear. He says, wait a second, don't be following us for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he goes into a little story analogy about a garden. Um, you don't, you know, you you don't idolize the gardener and the the watering. You you it's it's the seed. You plant the seed, and then the seed has to grow. Um, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolish in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more ho- boasting about human leaders. All these things are all the all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos, or Cephas, or Cephas, Cephas, um, C-E-P-H-A-S, or the world, or life or death, or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. So profound, so powerful. It's like, remember we said, you know, we go through... What is the purpose of kingdom.think? I mean, I could just read my Bible on my own, not make podcast episodes. But why is it so important that we do this together? And it's because we need to wake up our spirit. We need to remember our identity. Because the world and everything around us has been making you think that you're not important, that you're not worthy, that you're not deserving, um, and honestly, even the way the church does, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. And they're making you feel less than, lowly. Um, that's the intention, because if they can do that, then you don't know your superpower. You don't know who you really are, and you're easy to control. So your spirit needs to wake up. You need to 
really connect with your true identity. And it says, Paul's trying to tell the church of Corinth, do you guys understand your identity? He's doing the exact same thing that, that I'm trying to illustrate right here is, do you know your identity? Do you know that all is yours and that you are of Christ and Christ is of God? Um, don't you know that yours is our, that, that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Ugh. That's your identity. You yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit dwells within your midst. So even, oh my goodness, the music they try to make you listen to, the words they try to make you regurgitate, um, the fear they're trying to put you in, the, the way they're trying to keep your mind busy, create strife amongst families and people, even the food. They're using food to clog your senses. The, they're using food to make your body clogged up, sick, and miserable. That's not your identity. Oh my goodness. Okay, so good. Okay. Um, Psalms 135 is a beautiful passage. It's a little too long for me to read, but I'll read a little bit. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, you servants of the Lord, you who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for that is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob to be his own, Israel to be his treasured possession. I know the Lord is great. Okay, so you get that passage. It's beautiful. And it just reminds us to do what? To praise the Lord. How? Only when we're at church? No, in everything you do. When you hold your child, when you say something kind to someone at the store, when you look at a beautiful sunset, um, just continue to be in awe. Just continue to be in in just wonder and awe and gratitude. When you are in gratitude, you're praising the Lord. When you are using your gifts to serve others, you're praising the Lord. When you use grace for someone who's struggling and maybe they lash out at you and you use grace for their mishaps, you're praising the Lord. When you put worship music on, you're praising the Lord. So read that chapter and just think about it that way. And we tend to think praising the Lord means, oh, we have to be at church and only listen to worship music. Then we're praising the Lord. No, no, no. Everything you do, see God's hand in everything you do because he's in your midst. He's everywhere. And even when something is difficult, let's say you're having a difficult situation and you could be stuck in traffic and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm late for my appointment. Ugh! You could be so frustrated. How can you praise the Lord in that situation? Believe it or not, you can. And it'll change your whole demeanor. It'll change your whole energy, your mind, everything. But if you could say, wow, I'm so blessed to, and gra- grateful to have this car and to be in this beautiful country. And this must be such a wonderful place that everybody wants to be here that there's traffic. And maybe the next time I'll get up earlier and leave earlier. And I'm so grateful that I learned this lesson. Okay, I know that's extreme. And I know you're probably thinking that's not what you're thinking when you're stuck in traffic. But that's what it looks like. You're stuck in traffic anyway. It pays you no good to be dwelling on it and getting frustrated and swearing at everybody who's going by. 
It does you no good. Instead, by praising God is just being in gratitude and having peace and patience and grace for yourself and learning what you need to learn so that the next time you do it differently. Let's move on to 1 Samuel 30 and 31. It's the last two chapters of Samuel. 1 Samuel. Then we're going to go into 2 Samuel. So 1 Samuel, um, remember David is living in the enemy territory with the Philistines because King Saul is still alive and he's still hunting for David. And David knows he's safe in enemy territory. Somehow he befriended this king of this Philistine area. Um, But when they went to go do the big battle, the other leaders in the Philistines says, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want this David guy because he's just going to backstab us on the battlefield. So they said, send him back. Send him back to where, not to where he came from, but where he's staying. So David and his men went back. And when they got there, all the land was destroyed. The Amicalites came and burnt everything, stole the their things, their cattle and their women and their children, didn't kill them, but took them captive. So David says, what should we do? Because they, well, they did steal David's two wives and the men. And so he inquired of God, what should we do? And God said, go ahead, go rescue everybody. And David and his men went and rescued everybody. But as they were going on the journey, 200 of his men out of, I believe the 600 were too exhausted to continue. So they stopped. They didn't carry on. Were they exhausted or were they afraid? I don't know, but they didn't continue on. And only 400 went in to fight. They went in, they fought and they took their women and their cattle and everything. And they took it back with them. And when they met up with the other two men, 200 men, the other men, um, who didn't fight, so the ones that did fight said they don't get they don't deserve any of our plunder. They don't deserve what we fought for. David said, "No, that's not how it works. No, no, my brothers, you must not do that with what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and delivered into our hands the raiding party that came against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the men who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of men who went down to the battle." And I, and I really wanted to emphasize this because I want you to understand David. We, we've been growing with him. We know who he is. But every step of the way, look at the decisions that he's making. Not that he's going to be perfect because you'll see where he makes mistakes. But notice his heart. And David is the man after God's own heart. Notice his heart. Instead of just, oh, my, my wives are gone. I have to go rescue them. Instead of just being hasty, he stopped. He prayed. He inquired of God made sure God's favor was in in the whole thing. Then he went, God rescued him, but he acknowledged the fact that, come on, guys, we didn't win this war. God won this war for us. He protected us. So yes, these men are going to get what they deserve as well. Um, So then they went back, took all their stuff back. And at the last chapter, chapter 31 of 1 Samuel, the Philistines, because remember the battle is going on, so this that was separate. The battle is still going on, the Philistines against the Israelites, and the Philistines are winning. They're winning the battle. They're they're actually because God is not with Saul and his army. Once Saul realizes that the Philistines are winning, he tells his 
his armor bearer, put a spear, put the sword through me and kill me. And, and the armor bearer says, I can't do that. So Saul falls on his spear and kills himself. And then the armor bearer does the same thing, falls on his spear and kills himself. And also Jonathan was killed, which is, remember, David's best friend, his brother. So we're going to see what happens when he finds out about this. So that was the end of chapter 31 and the end of First Samuel. Nice and short, guys. That was only 12 minutes of this episode. Short, sweet, and lovely. Have a great day.